Blog Talk Radio. We begin with heartbreaking news. We begin with heartbreaking news from the racing world about a member of one of the legendary families in auto sports. Today, John Andretti lost his very public and hard-fought battle against colon cancer. John was a racing veteran, a champion of sick children, and known as one of the nicest guys in the sport. Right now, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway is paying tribute to John, lighting up the scoring pile on in his honor. It's a place he knew so well and raced many times. Sports director Dave First is here with more. Dave. Hi, guys. Good evening. A racer at heart, a father, son, husband, dad, you name it, one of the most giving people you'll ever meet. The sports world is mourning the loss of Indy's own John Andretti tonight, who died today after a three-year battle with colon cancer. Uh, if you ask him, John Andretti, he was an IndyCar racer, like his father Aldo, his uncle Mario. He competed in 12 Indy 500s. Nothing beat the years of 91 and 92, and he competed against Mario and cousin Michael and Jeff. His most success in racing really came in stock cars. First career win came at the July race out at Daytona, winning for the legendary Cale Yarbrough, and later one for Richard Petty at Martinsville. But once his career on the track started slowing down, his career off it was picking up with something called Race for Riley. Last summer, he finished his 23rd event with money going for Riley Hospital for Children, but it was three years ago when he was first diagnosed with stage four colon cancer. Devastating news that affected, of course, his entire family. We sat down with him that following May. Is this more difficult to watch in your family than it is for you to deal with this? It's way harder yeah. to watch because it's unfair to them. I've said it several times. It's unfair to them that I'm even in this condition um, because this could have been prevented. You can sit and mope and do all the things you want to do, um, that you think that you would expect it to. Uh, none of that's happened to me. I mean, and a lot of it's because of my family around me. They just, you know, if you do, you're, you're losing. And nobody in this family wants to lose. <laughs> A shot there of his family, wife Nancy, son Jarrett, daughters Olivia and Amelia. Our thoughts are with them tonight. Coming up all new at 6, a deeper look into John's remarkable life and career. John Andretti was 56. And welcome to The Balance. Uh, There's a little bit different show today that we have. My name is Tom Marquisell, Presidente. We're excited. We're here. We're ready to go. But today's show is with somber remembrance. We remember John Andretti and Kobe Bryant. Uh, John Andretti losing his uh, battle to colon cancer. Also, Kobe Bryant, one of the greatest to ever play the game, tragically lost his life in a helicopter crash. Uh, outside of Los Angeles, California. Uh, so we're going to get into that more into the next hour. Uh, but joining us now is uh, Matthew Embry, WSBT up in South Bend. A lot of news going on in the IndyCar world. Of course, the retirement of, of Tony Kanaan announcement. He's going to run five races uh, to include the Indianapolis uh, 500. But let's take a moment, uh, Matthew, and let's talk about John Andretti and the impact that he had what a lot of people don't realize, the impact that John had on the sport was more off the track than on the track. Uh, certainly, he has the Andretti name and the Andretti pedigree, uh, but kind of took a little bit of a different path. But John Andretti, uh, dead at the age of 56 now. 
Yeah, obviously, uh, on the other side of the coin, uh, of course, he was the son of Mario Andretti's twin brother, Aldo Andretti. Uh, still a part of the family, but uh, did most of his living in Indianapolis as opposed to Nazareth, Pennsylvania. Uh, started his career in sports car racing in the mid-'80s with uh, Jim Busby, then eventually made his move to IndyCar, was with the Porsche program for 1990, then joined Jim Hall in 91. They won the opener in Australia in their first-ever race and uh, were there through the 92 season, then lost his ride in 93, and uh, went to uh, Jack Clark, the uh, former Boston Red Sox and San Diego Padres uh, top fuel dragster team. First race there at Atlanta, he made the semifinals in the Taco Bell Express top fueler, and uh, then made his move to NASCAR thanks to Billy Hagan. Uh, one of the last things Billy Hagan did as an owner, his team, uh, I think, went uh, defunct during the mid part of the season. He joined Petty Enterprises, eventually uh, Credifus Haas, Cale Yarborough, uh, again with Petty. And uh, we had multiple rides uh, since then and uh, also had a few other opportunities at the Indy 500 and famously even getting uh, Roth racing into the field uh, one year for two-car entry, last time that Marty Ross' team was at Indy in 2008. And uh, unfortunately, uh, the stage four diagnosis uh, was had a lot of charity things going on for Riley Hospital for children. And uh, unfortunately, uh, all good things have to come to an end. And unfortunately, uh, just the colon cancer proved to be too much for John, and uh, we lost him this past week. Yeah, and his son is uh, continuing the, the drive, if you will. No pun intended uh, for the uh, the race for Riley. Uh, we we heard last uh, summer that the the cancer had returned uh, with with John Andretti, and I would encourage everyone to uh, check out Race for Riley. Check out the follow the hashtag that we've got up on social media, and get involved with uh, John Andretti's uh, cause, Race for Riley. His go kart, uh, big go kart race that he has every year out, out in Newcastle, my hometown. Uh, sidebar there, but uh, out at Newcastle track there, and just a, a a great man of the sport. I had an opportunity to talk with him a few times, and he was just a very humble man, a very I mean, you would think with a guy with a name like Andretti that there comes a certain a bit of arrogance about it, uh, but uh, which is that way with some members of that family. We don't want to get into that today. But John Andretti, and uh, a lot of us remember him more. I think more of us remember him in the NASCAR races than the kart races. Uh, in uh, as they mentioned in our clip, there I think said WRTV here in Indianapolis for. Uh, allowing us to use that. Uh, but uh, in the clip there, they talked about the cart races. I think a lot of us remember John Andretti as the Cheerio guy. He drove the Cheerio car, and he was very, very good on the track. And as you mentioned, the son of Mario's, uh, Mario's, uh, and we're going to listen to Mario talk about John here in the next half hour with uh, Steve Wilson for Speed the Way Digest. But it was he he was uh, really – I just like to think of John as somebody off the track that had more wins off the track with his race to Riley. And let's take this time just to say, hey, hey, I'm a dude. I had a colonoscopy last year. And <laughs> it's not the funnest thing in the world, but it, it, it certainly is a must thing that you should do. So 
every guy out there. Uh, and we have a lot, obviously, with the type of show that we have, we have a lot of uh, male audience, our male demographic. So go out there and get that colonoscopy. It's it's a simple procedure. It will be done and over with. Get a day off work, and uh, you get some cleansing done, too. So go do that because, as he mentioned in that clip there, you know, it could have it could have it could have been caught, and so certainly uh, take that time to to do that, and uh, we'll get some information about uh, colonoscopy up on our social media as well, Matthew. But other big news happening here in the IndyCar uh, world. One of the biggest announcements of the week, if you will, it's been kind of a hard week with Kobe and John and a lot of other stuff going on, but uh, uh, we. Don't want to lose sight of the fact that one of the greatest, we say one of the greatest, one of the greatest fans, uh, fan favorites, we'll put it that way, uh, certainly uh, Tony Kanaan announces that his his time has come. He's going to run five races uh, in 2020, and then after that, he's going to hang it up. Uh, one of those races is obviously going to be the um, Indianapolis 500, but let's talk a little bit about the career of Tony Kanaan and his retirement. and. We see it all the time. Of course, we, we like to feel like we can always beat Father Time, but we, we, we can't. And we, we always uh, – and we've seen it in NASCAR with Jimmy Johnson. Just big names are just saying, hey, it's, 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 it's my time to draw a pension. Tony Kanaan uh, announces his retirement this week, Matthew. Well, I think it's uh, no surprise in my opinion. Uh, I mean, you look at the records over the last three seasons that TK has had, and besides the ovals, he has just been uh, mid-pack, back of the pack at best on the road courses. I think that's uh, why he's doing the ovals only to close out, so at least he has a fair chance to get good results to close out the year, similar to the third place he had at Gateway this past uh, 2019 season. But beyond that, uh he just has not been competitive on the road courses, uh, did not even have a single top 10 road course finish uh, in 2019. Um, based on the record on Wikipedia, I see his best uh, road course finish last year was at Austin and at Portland where he finished 12th. So I don't think he wants to go out that way. I think he wants to go on a positive note. and At least he's given himself a fair shake uh, in that 14 entry to get some good results, even though it's only going to be in five races uh, in 2020, he's had an outstanding career. He's won the Indy 500. He's won a series title, but uh, the fact of the matter is, uh, he's just with the team in Foyt that just is not going to be able to provide him a car competitive enough uh, to be a consistent contender for victory. It's not for lack of trying from the Foyt uh, camp. It's just they don't have the resources of say a Team Penske, a Ganassi, and Andretti, or even a McLaren or a Coin. It, that's why they languish at the back of the pack, regardless of who they have as far as their driver lineup. Yeah, Tony Kanaan, I, I tell you what, let's talk a little bit about his career. I like Tony. I, I'll tell you a funny story about Tony Kanaan here uh, real quickly. Uh, of course, us people in the media, we, we chase race cars, we chase drivers, and anytime we get a chance to talk with drivers, we do. And, and Matthew, you've been out the track with me before. I try to, to talk to as many drivers as, as I can. But uh, this happened in Iowa, actually. I, I was up there, and I, I said I wanted to talk. He was having kind of a rough day with practice and stuff, and but I just happened to be right there as he got out of the car and getting out of his pit box. And 
you know, just trying just kind of wanted to get away from the scene, but I just happened to be there. I said, Hey, uh, Tony, can I grab you for a few seconds? He's like, you know, how to, how to, how to, how to talk to me, uh, go to, go to my PR person. He was kind of snippish and snarky. I was like, okay. She handed me her card. I had already met her. I, I texted her. I said, Hey, I'd like to have some time. He, she was like, that's okay. No worries. I'll make it happen. So the next day I'm walking past the hollers and in the, in the, in the, in he, and he's standing out there he's getting ready to do an interview with ESPN and he goes hold on and he put ESPN on hold and he says hey I'm sorry yesterday I was a little bit out of my element here what, what can I do for you so he did talk to me but that was a that's a funny or maybe not funny but that's kind of a story that I have with about Tony Kanaan because Tony Kanaan that's why he was a fan favorite because he was very, very approachable. He was very humble in, in what he did. Let's talk a little bit about the career of Tony Kanaan and the, and the accomplishments of the racer, as we know, as TK. And that's part of the reason why I wasn't able to get him for any interviews when I was in the media room, because he was the popular guy. I was able to get, you know, guys like Karam and Carpenter and Ray Hall and all of them on the street. And, yeah, but, I mean, it's not from lack of inability it's just there's everybody wants to talk to tk because he is the man and even if despite the fact he's not being competitive indianapolis he is still the man and that's why he is the center of attention and uh i think uh, even though i think yeah retirement's on the tag i I would not be surprised if over the next uh few seasons we see him in multiple indie only rides uh, as long as he is still in the mood to compete at the indianapolis 500 i think it's going to be mainly retirement, but I do not expect uh, that he will be shoved the Indy 500 for at least the next several years. I think he still will have at least an Indy only ride over the next few years. Yeah, I, I agree, and I, that's what I've told to a, a few other people offline. I've said, you know, he'll probably go into some consulting roles, but uh, uh, maybe a lot like what we've seen with Elio. Uh, obviously, Elio's not officially announced his retirement, but more maybe like. Well, Dario has not been back in the car, but a, a kind of a consultant role like Dario and a uh, an appearance in a car like uh, uh, Elio Castaneves. I, you know, Tony, and I think, I mean, I don't know if, if I'm the only one, but when you think about Tony Kanana, obviously he was with Foyt Racing. He was with a lot of race teams over the years. And, and uh, talking about Elio, him and Elio were, were childhood friends. And I believe they even came from the same town and raced in the same go-kart circuit, came up from the, from the same world, uh, Elio and Tony. But uh, I, I, I just you relate IndyCar and Tony Kanan, but 7-Eleven. Am I, uh, is, is that his, is that his, his uh, note to fame, if you will, is the 7-Eleven car, much like our uh, Elio uh, with uh, um, Pennzoil. I think that's the same way to put it. Uh, I mean, he was even in national ad campaigns with 7-Eleven. I think they could have gone even further with that. Unfortunately, uh, a few ties here and there with names I will not mention uh, over the air, I think kind of ruined that for him. But unfortunately, uh, yeah, things didn't go from there, and uh, but uh, like we said, uh, at this time of uh, situation, you have to have results, but you also have to have money. And right now, uh, once the ABC supply money uh, dried up, uh, I think at that point, I think the curtain was closing in on the show unless he was willing to uh, 
you know, make an effort. And, you know, he's in his mid to late 40s. I think the thing is the strain of not being competitive over the last several years, I think, is wearing on him. I mean, let's face it, uh, road courses, Tony Kanaan only has one road course victory in his career, and that came at Detroit in 2007. Beyond that, he has won on a road course, and with the trend going to road course races, Tom, uh, the the odds are stacked, the deck stacked against TK, and I think we've seen that, and uh, the results show that, and unfortunately, uh, you know, sooner or later, uh, it was going to catch up to him where it was going to be tough for him to be able to keep a ride unless he followed the path of, you know, finding the money personally to bring in and stay in it, and uh, that's never been Tony's style, and uh, for a lot of drivers, I think that's not been the style for guys like Hinch either, and uh, I think that's why you see a bunch of these guys uh, without rides as we get closer to the 2020 and the start of the year. Or you know, I have Yeah, full-time rides. I, yeah, I get absolutely what you're saying there. Uh, but, uh, you know, you were talking about road courses, uh, and I didn't get your thoughts. We talked a little bit about this with Steve Wilson from uh, Speedway Digest uh, uh, last week, I believe, or week, I'm sorry, the week before last, uh, that about uh, Indy uh, NASCAR having its first road course race at, at Indianapolis Motor Speedway with the Xfinity race. What are your thoughts on that? I think I made that. I think I mentioned that a week ago. I think this is badly needed to get some life into this NASCAR event in Indy because it is – even though Penske is continuing to say he'll support it, uh, it's just uh, not clicking with the fans. And I think one thing that's hurting it is there is not a consistent date for it where people can get into the mindset that this is the day it's going to be and this is the day I need to reserve. I think moving it around like they had the last several years, I think it's actually done more harm than it has helped them because there's not a consistency. And I think it kind of gives the fans that it's kind of, you know, an event that doesn't mean much to NASCAR, so why should we support it? I think that's at least well, what fans are doing, and that's for seeing empty seats. Yeah, absolutely. They and I always, always thought that moving the truck, taking the truck race, and taking the uh, Xfinity race away from uh, the Lucas Oil Raceway, which was the old ORP, I just thought that was just such a cool venue for them and and that's that was that was the answer you talk about don't fix it if it isn't broken well it wasn't broken and they tried to fix it because they wanted it to I be mean, at the indianapolis i mean besides iowa speedway lucas oil raceway was the last real throwback old-time short track that they had left of the schedule that had it been you know corporalized or you know turned into one of these little super stadiums so that's what made it unique, and unfortunately now without that, uh, that's kind of taken the joy out of that event. Yeah, absolutely, and, and hopefully this road course uh, race will, will do things. Let's talk a little bit more about some IndyCar race and IndyCar updates. Uh, as I'm understanding it, James Hinchcliffe does have an opportunity to run the Indianapolis 500. Not a lot past that. What do we know there? You know he's got the sponsorship for Genesis. The question is team. And uh, if I had to guess, if Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan runs an extra car like they did for Jordan King, uh, that's probably the best scenario, I think, for Hinch at this point because uh, Dale Coyne, I don't think, is going to run four. I think he has a deal in place with Bird Brothers to run uh, James Davison, his extra car. Um and then the rides beyond Ray Hall do not get much better. I don't think Ganassi is going to run four. 
Um, Andretti Autosport already has seven cars on their bill, so they're definitely not going to make it eight just to satisfy Hinch. And I'd say right now, if it doesn't happen with Ray Hall Letterman land again, I have a hard time seeing where it is going to happen for Hinch at this point. Yeah, well, <laughs> it, again, I keep saying this over and over again. I, I talk about a fan favorite. He's my favorite as a fan, and I've had, I followed him his whole career. I, I've had a chance to get to know him as a person. He, he, there's not a better guy out there uh, that – it's just it's unfortunate i get i get the business part of it but it's unfortunate that uh a a, a guy like james hinscliff is having a hard time uh getting a, a ride let's talk a little bit about the the uh, racer article that you were talking about uh off mic here a little bit uh before the show uh with chevy uh, talk with us a little bit about what we know there well, the rumor going around is that Ed Carpenter and Kyle Busch are talking, but I just don't think it's going to happen for 2020. Uh, Chevrolet, like Honda, says they're only going to commit to 18 cars, and I keep doing the math, and a fourth entry for Ed Carpenter uh, puts them well over the 18 that they were planning on having, so I just don't think the engine lease is going to be available to them unless – you know, some of these other minor teams switch over to Honda, which I don't think is going to happen. So you look at from that scenario, and then uh, I don't know if Ed Carpenter race. I mean, this is a Carpenter team that's been supposedly iffy on funding ever since they lost Fuzzy Zeller as a backer. Uh, I don't think unless uh, Kyle Busch and Joe Gibbs are bringing a big – chunk of personnel and cars into the scenario i just don't think it's going to happen from that standpoint so i think those two things that to happen is they be able to get a lease from chevrolet which i think is going to be tough and then kyle bush i think and joe gibbs are going to perhaps provide a majority of the personnel and i just don't think that's going to happen either so uh at this rate i'd say uh, less than you know a 20 percent chance i think kyle bush ends up with a ride for the indy 500 at this point for this year at least well, yeah, I was getting ready to say. Let's see if it, what your what were your thoughts on Ed Carpenter and, and Kyle Busch uh, coming to Indy? Now he's did this before, but last time it was with Andretti, I believe. Well, let's uh, take the last five, uh, few minutes here that we have here. Uh, any uh, more uh, news on the um, on the on the forefront of um, of uh, I'm sorry of IndyCar? Not much that I see based on at this point, other than, uh, you know, testing with the spring training is going to get going here in the next few weeks. Uh, there's going to be some at Sebring, some at Coda in Austin, Texas. Be interesting to see how uh, limited or restrictive they get on track limits. That's one thing supposedly that uh, the overseers at IndyCar are going to be keeping an eye on for the new season. At least that's one thing they've been mentioning is the track limits are going to be much more strictly uh, set at uh, Coda. And uh, we'll see if that applies to some of the other circuits on the uh, tour as well with some of these other events. Cause I mean, yeah, they certainly use all the road and then some, and if they're not restricted, they're going to use it. So be very curious to see how, uh, restricted they get on that and see how much of a backlash that gets from drivers and teams uh, if they start throwing penalties or reprimands out for that but uh, yeah I think pretty much status quo uh, 
everything at this point, I think you'll see as far as the rest of the 14 race, I think that's going to be probably an announcement involving Kellett and uh, Bourdais. I'll be very interested to see who opens the season in that 14 car. I'm assuming it'll be Kellett, but it could be Bourdais. But considering that that race is right close to the start of a chuck of several races on the answer circuit, I think Dalton Kellett will get the nod for St. Pete in the 14. And then, uh, Carlin, I think you're going to see multiple drivers uh, in that those Carlin entries. But if I had to guess, uh, assuming Max Chillen's going to be in one of the cars for St. Pete, and I'd have to say uh, Sergio Sete Camara, the rookie from Formula Two, is probably going to be in the other car, at least for that event. And then uh, it all comes down: will we see Hunkos or not? If we do see Hunkos, it could be Kyle Kaiser. It also could be Spencer Piggin, another guy that lost his ride. Uh, to Rhinus BK uh, at Ed Carpenter Racing. So there's still some unanswered questions for St. P, and obviously there's a lot of unanswered questions as far as rides for the Indy 500. And, uh, but at this point, I think right now, unless uh, it's something happens here where Carpenter extends their bounds or McLaren goes in a different direction other than Oriole Servia for their third seat uh, with the Smith-Peterson car, I think uh, we will not see Kyle Busch at the Indy 500 this year. No, that's okay. I I would like to see him there as a fan favorite. Uh, we're talking with Matthew Embry, WSBT up in South Bend, our official IndyCar contributor. Today's kind of a, a somber show, if you will. I don't want to put a dark cloud over it, but we are remembering uh, the, the loss of John Andretti, uh, who uh, uh, lost his battle with uh, colon cancer. And again, I encourage everyone to go out there. Well, females too, but certainly men go out there and and get that colonoscopy done, get checked uh, because it, it is a a curable, not curable, but a a if you catch it early enough, you can it's treatable. To put it that way, John Andretti was obviously the nephew of the Indianapolis 500 winner of Mario Andretti, and as we talked about earlier. Uh, the son of the twin brother of Mario Andretti and first cousin to the Andretti uh, Autosports team uh, owner Michael uh, uh, died after his uh, battle with uh, with uh, uh, colon cancer. At 56 years old. I'm 52, so it kind of puts it in perspective. Matthew Ambry, any final thoughts on the life and legacy of John Andretti? And talking about colon cancer, yeah, it's also been a big uh, armor in the uh, Notre Dame uh, fraternity as well. Uh, Michael Yurkovich, the longtime player, passed away from colon cancer in 2013. And, uh, yeah, so if you haven't gotten yourself checked, I'd say do it. I mean, I'm trying to get my time off so I can get uh, that done myself, even though I don't have uh, insurance to cover it. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be a very interesting thing how things work out. and. yeah, it's a shame to lose uh, John, but uh, yeah, things go on. We continue on, and uh, be very curious to see uh, how things go. Uh, with, uh, like I said, a few things going down as far as involving Hinch, and uh, certainly uh, what happens uh, the years beyond uh, 2020 without PK, and who becomes the big stars. Is it going to be like an Alexander Rossi? Is many think it's going to be? Because, like I said, it's not just Tony Kanata getting there in age. I mean, Elio's getting up in age. Uh, Dixon's getting up in age. Uh, so who are going to be the young stars? Is it going to be about Newgarden? Uh, where does a guy like a Marco Andretti, a Graham Rahal fit into this? And uh, But I'd say as far as the new blood of the series, uh, I think uh, 
Alexander Wozniak to take a role in being one of the guys and the leadership guys and the following guys. I think Joseph Newgarden also needs to step up and take that role uh, because, like I said, uh, the old guard is uh, holding up the tent here over the next several years. And uh, you don't want to get in the situation NASCAR did where you back a bunch of drivers and then when they leave, the interest goes away with it. So you got to be careful and you got to start developing the young stars. And I think uh, IndyCar would do themselves well if they started backing, you know, the new gardens and the Rossies a little harder as, you know, the main chips of the series and try to move them up as soon as possible so that the interest doesn't wane once these guys do uh, hang up the helmet that have been the big stars. Matthew Embry, WSBT up in South Bend, uh, helping us, uh, bruh. Remember, uh, John Andretti and, uh, of course, the IndyCar funny season. And you know what? The good thing is we're less than 90 days away from uh, the the Indianapolis 500. Matthew, we appreciate you joining us today. Where can people find your work and masterpieces, sir? M-A-T-T-E-M-B-U-R-Y. For those of you listening in the South Bemeshawaka area, I uh, got a lot of stuff going on WSBT over the next uh, two days. We have Notre Dame basketball coming up in a couple hours. They take on Georgia Tech. That starts at 1140. And then also, if you're following the big game coverage, our coverage starts at 2 p.m. Uh, on Sunday. So uh, seven hours at least, eight hours of coverage of the big game. And uh, we will have you all focused on that stuff uh, over the next uh, two days here on WSBT. Matthew, we appreciate you joining us. Uh, Matthew Embry, WSPT up in South Bend, our official IndyCar contributor. Thank you, Matthew. So today we're we're remembering uh, John Andretti, and uh, certainly a, a great uh, person on the track, but off the track is where he's really kind of been remembered and known. He lost his battle to colon cancer. And we're going to get into more of that in the next half hour with Steve Wilson from Speedway Digest. Uh, he, he's going to be joining us momentarily. And then we're also, uh, in, in the entire second hour, we're going to be remembering Kobe Bryant. My name is Tom Marquist. You're listening to The Balance. National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family. So the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. 
It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio. See the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Symbol Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous Pork Chop Down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mace. Ow, they're one of my eyes. Quit moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA, love your home. We begin with heartbreaking news from the racing world about a member of one of the legendary families in auto sports. Today, John Andretti lost his very public and hard-fought battle against colon cancer. John was a racing veteran, a champion of sick children, and known as one of the nicest guys in the sport. Right now, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway is paying tribute to John, lighting up the scoring pylon in his honor. It's a place he knew so well and raced many times. Sports director Dave First is here with more. Dave. Hi, guys. Good evening. A racer at heart, a father, son, husband, dad, you name it, one of the most giving people you'll ever meet. The sports world is mourning the loss of Indy's own John Andretti tonight, who died today after a three-year battle with colon cancer. Uh, if you ask him, John Andretti, he was an Indy car racer, like his father Aldo, his uncle Mario. He competed in 12 Indy 500s. Nothing beat the years of 91 and 92, and he competed against Mario and cousin Michael and Jeff. His most success in racing really came in stock cars. First career win came at the July race out at Daytona, winning for the legendary Cale Yarbrough, and later one for Richard Petty at Martinsville. But once his career on the track started slowing down, his career off it was picking up with something called Race for Riley. Last summer, he finished his 23rd event with money going for Riley Hospital for Children, but it was three years ago when he was first diagnosed with stage four colon cancer. Devastating news that affected, of course, his entire family. We sat down with him that following May. Is this more difficult to watch in your family than it is for you to deal with this? It's way harder yeah. to watch because it's unfair to them. I've said it several times. It's unfair to them that I'm even in this condition um, because this could have been prevented. You can sit and mope and do all the things you want to do. Um, that you think that you would expect it to. Uh, none of that's happened to me. I mean, and a lot of it's because of my family around me. They just, you know, if you do, you're, you're losing. And nobody in this family wants to lose. <laughs> A shot there of his family, wife Nancy, son Jarrett, daughters Olivia and Amelia. Our thoughts are with them tonight. Coming up all new at 6, a deeper look into John's remarkable life and career. John Andretti was 56.
Thank you to our friends who are in the local affiliate, ABC affiliate, WRTV6, uh, Dave First, uh, uh, certainly a, a uh, w- very well known around the track there. Appreciate uh, them allowing us to use that soundbite about John Andretti. Joining us now, uh, Editor-in-Chief of Speedway Digest. Uh, th- this show's a little bit different today. We are we do want to talk a little bit about the Daytona 500, uh, but we are remembering both Kobe Bryant and, and John Andretti, both huge losses uh, to their uh, prospective sports. Uh, Steve, uh, welcome uh, to the balance uh, uh, on this uh, somber Saturday, if you will. It's the the Saturday before the Super Bowl, but man, we got a dark cloud hanging above us. Let's talk a little bit about John Andretti and his life and legacy with uh, one NASCAR and IndyCar for that matter. Go ahead, uh, Steve. Yeah, so um, John had been around as, you know, that soundbite had kind of really just, you know, uh, kind of overviewed and he'd done everything in uh, auto racing. Uh, everything from go karts to open wheel drag racing, um, stock cars, you name it, he done it. Um, he's well versed in uh, multi-discipline uh, uh, auto racing. Uh, he's somebody that obviously, with a pedigree coming from the Andretti family, uh, somebody that uh, followed in the footsteps of the family business. And I think one of the biggest, uh, biggest when you, when you talk about John Andretti that. You have to think about in 1999 that he took uh, Richard Petty's famous number 43 back to Victory Lane for the first time in 20 years at Martinsville Speedway, which uh, Petty um, was the last one um, to uh, to do that himself, and he had done it right there at uh, Martinsville Speedway, and in 99 when he won, um, that kind of put Petty um, Petty um, back on the map, uh, so to speak. Uh, you know, he he uh, spent <clears throat> excuse me. He spent um, many more years in that car, um, but I think just the success and the fact of uh, taking that 43 back to Victory Lane in Martinsville in 1999. Uh, you know, that's just um, I think that was uh, one of the uh, that was had to have been a highlight not only for him but Petty and you know they they've uh, struggled. Uh, they had struggled for almost 20 years at that point, and they have struggled ever since. So uh, for them and John to to do that and put the famous 43 back into victory lane, uh, you know, um, something that hadn't been done since Richard Petty himself had done it. Uh, And then you have another uh, pedigree name like Andretti that that was able to go and and do what he did. Um, You know, he also also had gone to victory lane in, uh, you know, in Daytona during the uh, summer speed weeks and in the Pepsi 400 at that time. Uh, just a couple of years prior to that. So, you know, there was a, you know, he, he was well versed in what he did, um, you know, for the sport itself to, to, to uh, lose somebody like that, uh, you know, everybody, um, you know, looks up to people like that. They, they look to their, um, they, they look to what they have done. They look to the, the knowledge that they bring to the sport and, you know, just because you have a, a a brand name like you know Andretti, um, you know not everybody is ex- as successful as uh, you know Mario or even Richard Petty or some of the other brand names out there. But they bring a wealth of knowledge into the sport. They bring um, just so much that you know that that people are become intrigued to the fact of um, you know here's this 
is this person with this brand name? Um, I'm interested to see what they can do. And, you know, just, just between the interest of the fans and the knowledge that they bring into the sport, um, you know, it's when you lose somebody like that, it's, it's, it's definitely a loss. Yeah, it, it, absolutely. And, and what a moving tweet uh, that uh, Petty Sports uh, put out about John Andretti and, and what, what he means to that team. I think a lot of people lose sight of John Andretti in, in, in the aspect of, of the uh, Andrettis that we know at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway with uh, Marco and Michael and, and, and uh, Mario. And, and, and that's how we, 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 we think about the Andrettis. Uh, but John Andretti was such a humble person, had uh, just an awesome opportunity to talk to him several times. Of course, he lives right here in Indianapolis, well, lived uh, here in Indianapolis, uh, just just a few miles from me. And uh, he lived in. We both lived in the live in the in the west suburbs here of Indianapolis. He he just was a normal person. I mean, the guy you would see at the diner, the guy you would see at the sports bar, the guy you would just. He's just a humble guy, but more than that, he spent so much of his time uh, raising money and, and for the race for Riley as, as the um, as the uh, uh, soundbite alluded to from day first. Uh, that it's a it's a go kart race that he does every year, uh, just a, a little bit east of Indianapolis here in Newcastle. Actually, ironically, my hometown, uh, but. All of the drivers, all of the IndyCar drivers, NASCAR drivers, too, uh, go out there and compete and raise thousands and thousands of dollars uh, for Riley's uh, Children's Hospital. And we've got the tweet up, but just make sure that if you – and you heard him talk about this in the soundbite as well uh, – just make sure that you uh, take some time, take a day off work, and get your colonoscopy done. I had mine done last year. It's not the funnest thing in the world, but you do get cleansed, uh, but you do get a day off work and, and go go do that as well. And, and Steve, I think you would echo that that's a very important thing, uh, well, both for males and female, but certainly for men, dads and fathers and, and so forth, that husbands, brothers, to get this uh, colonoscopy done. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely something that over the years that um, – you know, it hasn't even really been until really just in the last um, 20, 30 or so years that this has been something that's become more of the norm instead of the exception to the rule. And, um, you know, it, it, cancer screenings as a whole are becoming more of the norm and uh, across the board. And, you, you know, we, we see early early onset or even early detection of these cancers and uh, the the survivability rate of them is um, going up uh, as people are becoming more accustomed to going and getting those screenings every year. And whether it's uh, breast cancer or uh, prostate cancer or colon cancer or lung cancer or whatever the case may be, um, you know, the, the, the fact of the matter is, and then most in most of these cases that, the, the earlier that you you get it detected, the survivability rate goes up. Um, I've watched people go through cancer treatments. I've lost people to cancer, um, you know, but 
and that's unfortunately a fact of life but and it's sad to say that but it is but it, the the solace into this is, is that as we become more accustomed to going and getting these things done as they become more prominent and more prevalent as to uh um, getting it done and having it done uh you know getting getting yourself checked out um, the more likelihood that you know you're you're going to survive this, and you know you know by bringing attention to this is what we need to continue to do across the board. For um, you know, he, he John had colon cancer, but you know all types of cancers. The more that we can bring um, bring this to the forefront, the more that we can talk about it, the more that we can uh, um, you know continue to make this uh, more of the norm. Uh, you know, I think we'll continue, and as medical science, you know, evolves, um, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, we won't lose as many people um, as we have in the past. We're talking with Steve Wilson, Speedway Digest, Editor-in-Chief of Speedway Digest. Uh, is this kind of a different show today? Uh, we uh, have found ourselves in an unfortunate circumstance uh, where we've lost two Great people in perspective sports, John Andretti in the stock car and IndyCar and racing world, the racing community, more uh, John Andretti and Kobe Bryant. Uh, I mean, a lot of people, whether or not you're a basketball fan or not, Kobe Bryant, everybody knows, LeBron James, Michael Jordan, then they know those names, whether or not you, you watch NBA on a regular basis, whether or not you, 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 you follow the Lakers or the Pacers or whoever the NBA team in your region is, whether or not you're following those, you, you know those names. And Kobe Bryant, uh, I don't want to say bigger than life, but he was close to bigger than life and uh, certainly lost his life at a, at, a, at a younger age. I mean, both people we're talking about today, John Andretti and Kobe Bryant, uh, really kind of, kind of just uh, young. I mean, I'm 52. Uh, John Andretti was 56, and you know, the the cancer had went into remission for the longest time, and then we learned last summer that the cancer had returned with John Andretti, and then with Kobe Bryant, it was just a tragic accident. It's just one of those things that happened, and to lose. Uh, to lose the daughter also, and and she was a uh, a huge basketball person and with lots of potential in in the women's basketball and potential in the WNBA and uh, connections here in Indiana. Uh, Tamika Ketchins with the, uh, the the fever here uh, was a mentor of Kobe's daughter. I mean, this is just all sad stuff. So we're doing kind of a different. Uh, a different show today. Tomorrow we have our Super Bowl special. We'll be breaking down everything uh, from the Kansas City Chiefs and the 49ers, and uh, we'll get into all of that tomorrow. So we have not forgot the big game. I promise you that. And and Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, will be joining us uh, in the next hour. Uh, the thing about it is, Kobe was from Philadelphia, and. And Ed covered Kobe when he was in high school. And as we know, Kobe went right into the NBA out of high school as well. But right now we're talking to, with Steve Wilson from Speedway Digest. I'm talking about John Andretti, nephew of, of Indianapolis 500 winner Mario Andretti and the first cousin to Andretti uh, Auto Sports owner Michael, uh, Michael 
obviously his father was his twin brother to Mario and died of, 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 can, uh, of cancer. So um, this is a, a little soundbite from uh, Mario, who is remembering John Andretti. This is John. This is my son, Michael, Jeff, and his brother, Mark. There were the four musketeers. They were all racers. At his home in Nazareth, Indianapolis 500 winner Mario Andretti reminisces about his nephew, race car champion John Andretti. The Bethlehem native had a versatile career that included victories in NASCAR, IndyCar, and the Rolex 24 before retiring in 2010. John lost his battle with cancer Thursday at the age of 56. Andretti got the devastating phone call Thursday morning. You can never prepare for something like that. Even as predictable a situation like this can be, you can never prepare for it. Mario says John was first diagnosed with colon cancer in 2017. That's when he vowed to fight back and use his voice to raise awareness about colon cancer. John even developed the hashtag, check it for Andretti, to urge people to get screened. I feel that uh, John showed some uh, character, you know, by just coming forth and uh, creating the awareness because it happened to him. And that's a strong message. John was a multifaceted racer who competed and won in the NASCAR Cup Series and the CART IndyCar Series. He was the first driver to attempt the Indianapolis 500 and the Coca-Cola 600 doubleheader in 1994. This photo was taken at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway in 1991, the first time that four members of the Andretti family competed at the Indy 500. Mario has fond memories of that race and others. We were even on podium together, you know, one time in Milwaukee back in the early 90s uh, with my son Michael winning. He's second and I was third. Uh, you know, as a family, again, we had uh, a lot of great moments. Oh, sorry, they cut off sooner than what I thought they did. Uh, Mr. Mario Andretti, obviously the uncle to John Andretti, uh, talking about uh, the memory of, of John Andretti. We're talking with Steve Wilson, Speedway Digest, uh, editor-in-chief of Speedway Digest, and we're kind of remembering uh, uh, John Andretti. Uh, we, we like to think of him as the Cheerios guy, and as you mentioned, certainly very well-known. And, and as pointed out in the clip there, uh, again, I mean – he kind of might get lost in the conversation of the Andrettis, but but Steve, uh, John was a very accomplished Andretti. No, he was, and I think that's what made him so versatile in in so many different sports. Um, I mean, he was he had been in drag racing. I know we talked talked a little about about his IndyCar career, stock car career, racing the Rolex Twenty Four. Uh, he raced in some of the biggest races in the world. And, uh, you know, he was a utility driver that was able to go out there and race in just different forms of motorsports and um, was accomplished in all of them. Um, and I think, uh, you know, again, it comes back to the vast wealth of knowledge that uh, you can learn from growing up in a family like that. Um, Mario himself um, raced stock cars at one point. Uh, you know, so it's 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 something that, you know, you you just either have a natural talent for, or you're born into, and you can learn that talent. 
And <clears throat> for John, it was a little of both. And you, you saw that in the fact of uh, just being able to grow up in it, but then, you know, breaking away a little bit from that stock car, uh, the, the uh, sorry, the open wheel realm and going and having the success that he did in stock cars and, and the Rolex and some of these other uh, some of these other disciplines that he uh, raced in. We're talking with Steve Wilson of Speedway Digest. Uh, uh, Steve, let's kind of make a little bit of a transition here because we do have some other NASCAR stuff to talk about. Obviously, the Daytona 500 is just a few short weeks away. What know we? What say you about the Daytona 500? Well, I'm excited that the fact of a week from now we're finally going to get some cars back on the racetrack and uh, uh, just about eight days from now we'll we'll know who's going to sit on the pole for the Daytona 500. So um, these teams are uh, thrashing away and and they're ready to pack these cars in and uh, send them down to Daytona for two weeks for speed weeks here and get the season kicked off. It's going to be exciting, um, as always, and I think that we we saw a lot of exciting racing at at these tracks last year. Um, Daytona is uh, Daytona is just an animal all by itself, and just as Talladega is, and really so many people have a chance to win that they wouldn't normally have a chance. This is kind of like the great equalizer that. Uh, teams that we normally wouldn't see run up front, run up front, and some teams that. Uh, that that uh, you know, like um, excuse me, Front Row Motorsports that won a couple of years ago at Talladega in, in an event like this. But you know, we we see drivers that that um, you know may not necessarily win a lot of races, also get an opportunity to do so. And um, I'm it's just exciting that you know we're seven days away from uh, rolling the series on or the season on. Well, we would be remiss and have our NASCAR segment today and not talk about the NASCAR Hall of Fame inductees. Tony Stewart, uh, obviously an Indiana favorite, uh, along with, uh, uh, with, 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 with others uh, such as Bobby Labonte and uh, Buddy Baker and uh, uh, Waddell Wilson. But, man, Tony Stewart is definitely – where we we could go on all day long talking about Tony Stewart, but let's talk about the uh, 2020 inductees in the NASCAR Hall of Fame. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, we could we could kind of talk all day long on Tony Stewart because what hasn't he done, or what isn't he still trying to do in uh, dirt racing and sprint cars at this moment? Um, but you know you you have a you have a diverse group of people in there this year. Uh, Coach Gibbs, which uh, was Tony's car owner for quite some time, won championships under him um, before he broke away and started his own team. Uh, which this is the second Hall of Fame that uh, Coach Gibbs is in. He's uh, he's in the National Football Hall, Football League Hall of Fame uh, also um, for his career with the Redskins and winning the Super Bowl. Uh, with them, so um, you know this is a guy that came over and uh, started in stock cars in '92, '93. Uh, won the Daytona 500 uh, with Dale Jarrett and his first full season in the uh, uh, as a car owner. 
And then you got um, people like Waddell Wilson, which was uh, an engine builder. He grew up in rural, rural North Carolina with little to no education and was able to build winning engines for some of the biggest names in the sport over uh, the sport over the years. Um, you know, and then Buddy Baker uh, himself, a telecaster, uh, a, a champion and a winner in, in, in racing or in stock car racing, uh, you know, he was the general giant. He was a he was a very big, tall guy, um, but just as nice as could be, which gave him the moniker of the general giant. And uh, then you got Bobby Lobani himself, a uh, 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 driver for Coach Gibbs. A lot of these drivers come back to Coach Gibbs uh, uh, over their career. Um, drove that number 18 car for for years. Um, so you know, we we had a very diverse group of people going into the Hall of Fame this year. Um, they're all well-deserved to get in there, and uh, some of them uh, probably have waited a little bit longer than others. Uh, I think you think of Wado Wilson and uh, Buddy Baker uh, probably maybe should have been in there a couple of years ago, but, uh, you know, they finally made it in. Steve Wilson of uh, Speedway Digest uh, joins us, and we've been uh, reflecting on the life of of, uh, of uh, John Andretti. In the next hour, we're going to get into Kobe Bryant. Before we let you go, we got one more soundbite, and let's just remember uh, John Andretti as he passed away this week from colon cancer. If you were looking for John Andretti, the best place to find him was at a racetrack. He started karting at the age of nine and in a sprint car by the time he was 20. Are you going to use this as kind of a stepping stone toward bigger things in racing, uh, maybe like Mike and Mario up in the Indy cars, or do you want to go any farther in racing? Oh, sure, I want to go hopefully all the way to the top. By the age of 25, with his father Aldo at his side, he was there. And the Gold Coast IndyCar Grand Prix goes to John Andretti. His kart win came at Surfer's Paradise in 1991, and at Indy, he ultimately ran in 12 Indy 500s, including races in 1991 and 92, where he ran against Mario and cousins Michael and Jeff. I think we're always fighting to be better than the next one in the family, and and that, that's something that keeps us all um, honest, as we say, where you just want to be better and better. After doing double duty in 1994, racing in Indy and then Charlotte the same day, he may have ultimately found his most success in NASCAR, beating the likes of Dale Earnhardt and Jeff Gordon to win for the legendary Cale Yarborough at Daytona in 1997. I'd like to thank RCA, you know, Goodyear Ford, and all the people that have been involved. I mean, Cale Yarborough, you know, put a lot of faith in me. Two years later, he won for the great Richard Petty at Martinsville. I told them boys, I said, you know, we need to make a habit out of this. But eventually, races became few and far between. He began to do a variety of appearances, including as an analyst for Trackside 6. You've been great to us uh, the entire weekend. He also began something called the Race for Riley. Visits to Riley Hospital for Children meant so much, touched by the power of perseverance, followed by karting events, which raised big bucks over the many years. This thing's getting bigger and bigger every year. I would imagine in a couple of years we'll have it at the Speedway. Is that right? Well, you know, the Speedway wanted us to come, but, you know, we, um, not really. I mean. <laughs> but then came the devastating news in January of 2017. Stage four colon cancer. He said he never got checked, never had a colonoscopy, and all he could think about was his wife Nancy, daughters Olivia and Amelia, and son Jared. Is this more difficult to watch in your family than it is? 
for you to deal with this? It's way harder yeah. to watch because they're. It's unfair to them. I've said it several times. It's unfair to them that I'm even in this condition um, because this could have been prevented. Now, for me to go through it, um, it's my own fault because I didn't get che I didn't get screened soon enough. Do you blame yourself? I, I mean, do. You I do. Night. I mean, I do because I, you know, I mean, I don't know why, but I do. Just last year, John wrapping up his 23rd race for Riley and checks totaling around $550,000, all despite a number of clinical trials to battle his cancer. You know, you just got to keep going. You know, the more you push, and even if it's hard to push, you got to just do it because it takes your mind off it. Like today, you know, I'm having a great day. John Andretti had plenty of great days, battling on and off the track, Without question, the spirit of an Andretti, every step of the way. You can sit and mope and do all the things you want to do um, that you think that you would expect to do. I, none of that's happened to me. I mean, a lot of it's because of my family around me. They just, you know, if you do, you're, you're losing. And nobody in this family wants to lose. <laughs> That's John Andretti, one of the final uh, remembrances that we have. John Andretti uh, sadly lost his life to colon cancer. Uh, Steve Wilson of Speedway Digest. Steve, I appreciate you joining us today and talking with us about uh, John Andretti. Let's get your final thoughts on John Andretti and, and NASCAR before we have to move on to the next hour, which is going to be dedicated to Kobe Bryant. Yeah, I just think it's a loss. It's a loss of the sport. I think a lot of people will just remember him again for for his uh, vast wealth of knowledge in the sport, things he was able to accomplish, um, and, and taking that number 43 of Richard Petty back to victory lane at Martinsville in 1999 uh, has got to be one of the highlights of his, not only his career, but um, NASCAR fans, uh, you know, thinking about what he done or did and accomplished within the sport and uh you know he's uh he's been able to do so many different things and bring attention to this um to to this uh to the cancer that he had in a very public way and maybe if that helps somebody else um i think that's uh exactly what he was looking to accomplish Steve Wilson, uh, we appreciate you joining us. Uh, next week, we'll be uh, back on track, no pun intended. Where can people find your work and masterpieces? You can follow us at Speedway Digest on Twitter, facebook.com slash Speedway Digest and SpeedwayDigest.com. All right, Steve, thank you. Have yourself a good day. Okay, you too. Take care. Steve Wilson, Speedway Digest. Uh, we, we are having a Double duty today with our show and, 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 and what we cover. We've, we have two very, very hard stories to talk about today. And, and we've been talking all in the first hour about John Andretti, the loss, uh, a terrible loss to colon cancer. And we'll be talking about this throughout the show. But please uh, go get checked for that. We've got the hashtag also uh, get checked for Andretti. Uh, as we talked about in the sound bites, it, a lot of this could have been uh, prevented or at least caught early. Uh, John Andretti loses his life at 56 years old 
how we honor and remember him. We'll be right back with Ed Kratz and Tony Donahue as we begin our conversation about the loss of Kobe Bryant. Baptist Church parking lot, trying not to get caught. Take her home and give her your jacket. Making it to second base, but saying you went all the way Monday afternoon at practice. Sister's got a boyfriend, daddy doesn't lie. Now he's sitting out back, 30-30 in his lap, in the blue bug dapper light. We were Jesus to save me, blue jean baby, born in the USA. I've been playing 4 on 4 with a barbershop quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it, Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Morning face. You get is when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mates. Ow! They're hitting my eyes. We're moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA, love your home. Kobe Bryant was a teenager when he walked onto the NBA stage. And there was no doubt in his mind that he was ready. I'm going to go in there and I'm going to work hard every day. I'm young, but I'm not going to back down from anyone. He had the drive, the ability to thrill, all wrapped in a megawatt smile. Welcome to the Kobe Show. And fans began to see that they were in for something special. Here comes Bryant. Oh, missed the run. Wow, did you see the run by the kid? That's Kobe. Did you see the finish by the kid? He would pair with Shaquille O'Neal to form a powerful one-two punch, elevating his game when it counted most. Kobe, jump shot for the lead, yes! The phenom had grown into a three-time NBA champ. Three, that's three. Back, two back, two back. Kobe was anything but a finished product. In the years that followed, he reached a new level of mental and physical dominance. And an 81-point game. The Mamba was born. I couldn't even dream of this when I was a kid. You know, there's no way possible. You know, just a blessing from above. And his scoring explosions captivated the league. Four straight games, 50 or more points. All the while, Kobe realized there was still room to grow. Kobe Bryant, the 2007-2008 most valuable player. And that true greatness means lifting those around him. Go easy for him. Make him earn everything. He embraced his role as a leader. And the result was a return to glory for the Los Angeles Lakers. Basketball immortality for the 09 Los Angeles Lakers. For the Lakers, repeat, back-to-back Kobe's ability to inspire wasn't limited to his body of work in the NBA. They called me the OG, you know what I mean? So it's fun for me to be around these guys and kind of mentor them a little bit. 
He was a driving force behind the 2008 Olympic team that restored USA basketball to the top of the podium and won gold again in 2012. Beloved by fans around the world, Kobe Bryant had transcended the game. He embodied excellence, achievement, and aspiration for millions of fans everywhere. And when it came time to write the final chapter of his NBA career, Kobe saved one of his most unforgettable performances for last. Kobe Bryant, on the final night of his NBA career, scores 60 points. 6-0. Man! To spend 20 years here, you can't write something better than this. With his playing days behind him, he understood that all along, his single-minded pursuit of excellence was about much more than himself. The most important thing is how your career moves and touches those around you and how it carries forward to the next generation. All right, and thanks to our friends over at NBA.com for allowing us to to air that uh, very special remembrance of Kobe Bryant. Joining us now, and and this is kind of a a hard, difficult show for us to do, and we haven't forgot the big game, and we've got our special tomorrow, and we'll be talking a lot about the 49ers and the Chiefs. But uh, with what we we do in, in, in our show, we cover both. All, all sports, and we, we, we are deep in the racing trenches, um, and we lost a great uh, name in the racing world. John Andretti lost his life uh, to, to colon cancer, and we appreciate uh, uh, Matthew Embry, WSPT up in South Bend, our official IndyCar contributor, and, and Steve Wilson uh, from Speedway Digest, our official NASCAR contributor, helping us break down the life and legacy. Joining us now, though, is Ed Tratt, speed writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, and also Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcast. Tony, we'll get to you in just a second because we've only got Ed for just a few minutes. Uh, but, Ed, I know that you have a, a, a kind of a personal remembrance of Kobe uh, in, in his days in Philadelphia. Uh, yeah, thanks, Tom. That was a great uh, tribute. Um, um, really good stuff. Um, well, you know, listen, I, I growing up, you know, here in Philadelphia, and I left the area for a number of years, and I remember returning to the area in the early 90s, and uh, a friend of mine had a, had a party, a friend named Jeremy Treatman, who uh, really got to know Kobe well through the years, and I remember him telling me at a party, you got to go out and you have to see this, this kid play. It's Joe Bryant's son, uh, you know, and anybody that follows the NBA knows who, you know, knows that. Joe Bryant played in Philadelphia for, I think it was four years before he moved over to Italy and took his son Kobe with him. Uh, and Kobe spent, uh, you know, I think seven or eight years of his young life in Italy with his father as he played uh, in Italy after playing with the Sixers. But, uh, I remember coming to this party and Jeremy telling me, "Hey, you got to go see this yeah, this kid play. It's, it's uh, Jellybean's son. That was Joe Bryant's nickname. It's Jelly, it's Jellybean's son." And I said, "Oh, okay. Well, we'll go sometime." And so Jeremy and I went to a game when he was uh, just kind of starting out at Lower Marion High School and watched him. And I met him afterward and uh, shook his hand. And he was just a, a big, you know, 
you know, kind of, I don't want to say dorky. He was athletic as, as could be, and he just dominated uh, when we watched him play. And he, he couldn't have been nicer. And uh, I really don't remember any specifics about that conversation. But then I did go to see Kobe play when he uh, came through Lower Marion as a junior and senior. I saw him in some playoff games. I saw him play a game against Rip Hamilton, who uh, had a pretty good NBA career himself. He went to uh, suburban high school, Coatesville High School, uh, outside of Philadelphia, and those two just laid it down, and it was just a great – you couldn't believe you were watching high school kids play. Uh, you know, they were just men among boys, and uh, Kobe got the better of them in that game. Uh, but uh, I remember talking to Kobe afterward, and he was just such a, a kind, gracious uh, a kid. He seemed a little bit shy at that time to talk about himself. You know, you're looking at a 15-, 16-year-old kid and then a 17-year-old kid when I – uh, had some interactions with him, and he just couldn't have been any kinder, any more uh, modest and, and shy. Um, but you could see that that competitive fire when he took the court just really burned inside of him. And uh, the thing about Kobe too is, you know, he led his, his senior year. He took his high school team, which you know was filled with a bunch of average guys, but he put them on his shoulders, carried them to the state title. And it wasn't like Kobe was hogging the ball and scoring all the points. You know, he did his share of taking over the game, but. He got his teammates involved also. You know, when that triple team would come, you know, he would find the open guy. He wouldn't try to do too much. And, um, you know, that's just kind of, the, I think, the player he was was, you know, he, he liked to get his teammates involved. But when it came time or when they, he felt like they needed a play uh, to be made to win the game or, or get the game's momentum in their favor, uh, Kobe would step up to that moment. But uh, I just remember him, Thomas, just being a very kind, modest, gracious uh, individual when he was in his early teens, and now I know you know he, he he probably you know wasn't that as he got into the, his pro career and made a lot of enemies in Philadelphia. Uh, you know in the 2001 Finals when the Sixers had Allen Iverson and they were in the finals against LA and Kobe saying well I'm going to come to Philadelphia and rip the hearts out of uh, you know Philadelphia fans and you know that rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. I mean he's a Philadelphian. You know he's one of the greatest players ever produced in the NBA and. He came from Philadelphia, but that that uh, sort of uh, you know that kind of softened as the years went by and fans started to take the Kobe again. And I think it was in 2015 or 16, toward the end of his career there, when he came to Philadelphia and they just rained down chance of Kobe, Kobe uh, inside the uh, Wells Fargo Center uh, in honor of Kobe. So you know those hard feelings were mended, and uh, you know it, it it was hit pretty hard here in Philadelphia, of course, since he grew up here and. You know, all week, really, it's kind of overshadowed any kind of Super Bowl talk on the local radios has been talk about Kobe. So uh, that's kind of the impact he made in this area. Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, our official NFL contributor. But we're taking some time to remember uh, the loss of two greats, uh, John Andretti and, and Kobe Bryant. And we go now to Tony Donahue of Tony D Podcast. Tony, I, I know you got a lot of stuff on your agenda, and we will get you to do some uh, uh, promotions for your other stuff that you got going on as well. But uh, I want to talk with you about John Andretti because you and I both uh, kind of know the same people in the same racing circles there at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. I know we've both had interactions with John and Andretti, and he was just a very humble and a very – approachable person not to say the other andretti's aren't but uh, he was different than the other andretti's and i i like to think about his impact that he's made with the, with the race, uh, race for riley and all the not-for-profit stuff that he's done uh 
outside of all of the, his racing accomplishments, Tony Donahue, uh, let's talk a little bit about John Andretti before we go into Kobe. Yeah, um, you know, with with John, there were so many elements, layers, and aspects to, to who he was, as you mentioned. You had uh, the guy who was kind of obviously outshadowed by the success of Michael Andretti and his famous uncle of Mario Andretti. Uh, but but John was the driver that went and did sprint cars and would run on dirt. And then he became, you know, a 24 hours a Daytona winner. And he was running Trans Am and he ran sports cars. And then he came over to IndyCar and won a race in Long Beach. Or I'm sorry, not Long Beach, in Surfers Paradise, Australia. Uh, and then he went he went NASCAR racing, and that's where he found most of his success. Uh, he got his first win at Daytona, um, driving for Cale Yarborough in 1997 in the Pepsi 400. Um, he won a few more races for Richard Petty. Uh, I know one was at uh, Martinsville, it, and just he, he just continued to race. You know, almost. I mean, he was in Indy 500s, I believe, in at least three decades, if if not four. I think it might have been four. I mean. You know, he raced all the way up until 2010 when he had his last run with Dry and Ridebull with Richard Petty. And, and like you mentioned, I mean, as good and as dynamic of a racing driver he was, was as good of a person as he was. And what he did for Riley and then for, for, for Gentleman uh, with the check it for Andretti, um, getting colonoscopies, you know, for, for guys in their late 40s, early 50s. Um, it was crazy. Yeah, and I, I was fortunate to, to kind of know him growing up. Uh, watching him race and then became uh, a friend when he would do radio. He would come by our radio booth mm-hmm. at the Speedway sure. almost almost every time. And, 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 and the good thing was is he could break it down for you, whether it was IndyCar or NASCAR, because he had mm-hmm. obviously had right. success in both. And the the good thing with, with John was is he broke it down for you so that you could understand it. And he didn't talk down to you. Sometimes you hear analysts and, oh, this is how it is. And, you know, you don't know this because you've never been in the cockpit. But that wasn't John at all. Um, and then he had his, 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 right, his race for Riley, his charity race every year, the go-kart mm-hmm. race out in Newcastle that uh, I was mm-hmm. fortunate to race in twice, won it one time. You did. I remember uh, that. I my... Yes, that's true. Yep. <laughs> you did, yeah, but you did yeah, pretty good yeah, at one of those races, uh, as I remember. Yeah, so uh, one <laughs> uh, a bunch of laps in the first, and one won the second one, and and John That's was right. there, and he was so gracious that that all of us were there, and you know, it, sometimes sometimes in life, a simple thank you and a simple thanks for being here and showing appreciation goes a long way. And John appreciated everybody, he appreciated all the support that he had gotten for Race for Riley with Cheerios, and uh, it just 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 heavy hearts with that loss because. Uh, he was he was so good to so many people. Great statement that Cheerios and Petty and Andretti all issued uh, about John Andretti, uh, and of course with Petty, I mean he was the uh, first guy to bring a a, a Petty car the the Petty car itself back to Victory Lane. We're playing duo roles here. We got Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, and uh, Ed, I I, I know. You got a wrestling thing to go to, so we only got you for a few minutes. But one of uh, Kobe's biggest rivals, yet friends, was LeBron James. And the, one of the last tweets that we ever saw from Kobe Bryant was congratulating LeBron James on passing him on the all-time scoring uh, record. Here's LeBron James uh, talking about Kobe at the Lakers Memorial. 
Laker Nation, man, I would be selling y'all short if I read off. The first thing that comes to mind, man, is all about family. And as I look around this arena, we're all grieving. We're all hurt. We're all heartbroken. But when we're going through things like this, the best thing you can do is lean on the shoulders of your family. And from Sunday morning all the way to this point, now I heard about Laker Nation before I got here last year about how much of a family it is. And that is absolutely what I've seen this whole week, not only from the players, not only from the coaching staff, not only from the organization, but from everybody. Everybody that's here, this is really, truly, truly a family. And I know Kobe and Gianna and Vanessa and everybody, thank you guys from the bottom of their heart, as Kobe said. Now, I know at some point we will have a memorial for Kobe. But I look at this, I look at this as a celebration tonight. This is, this is a celebration of the 20 years of the blood, the sweat, the tears, the broken down body, the getting up, the sitting down, the everything, the countless hours, the determination to be as great as he could be. Tonight we celebrate the kid that came here at 18 years of age, Retired at 38 and became probably the best dad that we've seen over the last three years, man. Tonight is a celebration. Before we get to play, love y'all, man. Kobe, a brother to me, and from the time I was in high school, to watching him afar, to getting this league at 18, watching him up close. All the battles that we had throughout my career, the one thing that we always shared is that determination to just want to win and just want to be great. And the fact that I'm here now means so much to me. I want to continue along with my teammates to continue his legacy, not only for this year, but as long as we can play the game of basketball that we love, because that's what Kobe Bryant will want. So in the words of Kobe Bryant, Mamba out, but in the words of us, not forgotten. Live on, brother. That's LeBron James' uh, comments uh, recently at a memorial of our, the, the game, at home first home game after the passing of Kobe Bryant, which we know lot, tragically lost his life in a helicopter crash outside of Los Angeles. We go to Ed Kratz now. Uh, Ed, uh, two uh, greats, uh, LeBron James and uh, Kobe Bryant. And LeBron and, and, and Kobe kind of followed the same path. Both came right out of high school into basketball. Uh, both uh, uh, came back to their hometown to play. Well, not really their hometown, but kind of spent a lot of time in a, their hometown. And 
I mean, I know he's from Philadelphia, but he is a a Los Angelinian, if if that's the word for it, as well. Uh, Ed Kratz, we want to get your final thoughts because I know you got to run. I appreciate you joining us. But final thoughts on on Kobe Bryant. Yeah, it still kind of feels surreal, and here we are a week later. Uh, after it happened and you know you play that LeBron clip and it's interesting that you know he he moved past Kobe Bryant in the uh, all-time scoring uh, all-time points list in the NBA here in Philadelphia um, the night before Kobe uh, was killed Um, which you know it's kind of ironic when you think about it and Kobe really gave a great thank you to I'm sorry LeBron really thanked Kobe profusely after he passed him and that was when Kobe was still alive you know he talked to Philadelphia reporters after that game um, last week when the Lakers were in town. And, uh, you know, who knew then what was going to happen just 24 hours later? Um, but, yeah, my, my thoughts are just taken too soon. And, you know, we all talked about how, you know, he was really beginning kind of the second act of his of his life, you know, his post-career life. You know, he won, a, he won an Oscar for, mm-hmm. you know, an animated short series. Um, you know, he was just ready to kind of take off into the second chapter of his life post-NBA, and it would have been really interesting to see exactly what he would have done with his life over the next 15, 20 years. And, you know, we're kind of robbed of that. And, you know, uh, in addition to Kobe, you have to always remember the others that were killed in that crash as well. And sure. Um, absolutely. You know, there, there were, you know, Gianna, of course, and then, the, you know, another teammate of hers, another young girl and, you know, her parents and, uh, you know, the pilot, of course, but um, I, I thought the Sixers did a great job, you know, when they played a uh, couple nights later, um, by giving tribute, they showed, uh, you know, they had nine spotlights come out on the floor for the nine lives lost. So they did a good job of not honoring just uh, Kobe, but everybody that passed in that tragedy. Thank you. We've been talking with Ed Kraft. Ed, I, I hope you'll join us okay. tomorrow yep. for the big game special, and uh, we'll talk with you okay. soon. And I hope your wrestling team right, uh, makes it all the way, buddy. <laughs> all right. Thanks again. I appreciate it. Take care, guys. All right. Ed Kratz, beat writer for Philadelphia Eagles. He's taking some time from uh, his wrestling coaching job to talk with us about, about Kobe Bryant. Tony Donahue from the Tony D Podcast joins us. Tony, you're also doing some stuff in the sports betting world and in the podcast world now, I see. Is that is that rumor true? Yeah, uh, since it was legalized here in the state of Indiana back <laughs> in September, you know, we've been having fun with it and kind of just uh, – you know, it's it's an interesting dynamic, and and when I was in radio, um, you know, it was kind of the 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 prep that I was already doing for a radio show. Um, you know, just kind of went in with sports gambling to tie in, and it just kind of made sense. And that's just the road that I've decided to go down, and we're having fun with it. Hey man, we'll, we'll we'll promote you as much as we can, and tomorrow we'll have you on the show. We'll we'll talk about the lines, but let's talk a little bit more. And you know, you mentioned how approachable John was, and I appreciate you giving us the memories of him. He he was really just a, a nice guy. Just lived in Brownsburg, and you know, you could drive by his house and and think it what I mean, it was nothing special, just normal suburban home. And that was the kind of guy that John was. And I appreciate you sharing your thoughts. Today. Let's talk a little bit about uh, Kobe. I mean, we're doing dual roles today. I remember last week, uh, Rick Riggin, our college uh, football contributor, texted me. And I said, I saw that, but it's TMZ, so I don't know that I trust it. Then I just started stalling everybody else. So then we jumped on the bandwagon, too. Uh, but, I mean – do you kind of is was that kind of one of those moments? Do you remember what you were doing when when you found out, or did you find out later? I know I I texted you, but 
as you said, you have Twitter, so you already knew. But <laughs> what do you, do you kind of is it kind of one of those moments? I remember what I was doing when. I think there's just so many layers to this. Um, you know, I had just got on Twitter, saw on, saw the TMZ report, called a friend. And, and, and I know that TMZ has gotten a rap in the past of not being correct, but, you know, as a, as a, as a website and as, you know, they have a TV show daily and a sports show, you don't, mm-hmm. if, if this is, if that was wrong and if that was false, you don't recover from that. That's, that's the kind of stuff that shuts down your website. So correct. Um, I was just shocked, you know, you, you fell for everybody on that helicopter and then there were so many other rumors about who was on the helicopter and, you know, it just, I think it's the biggest debt that we've had in the social media era. Um, sure. It's, not the, the, it's, it's certainly the biggest that, – this and Dale Earnhardt come to mind as the biggest sports tragedies um, of unexpected that I, I've ever seen. But this, uh, just with the worldwide flair and everybody, even if you've never watched an NBA game in your life, knows who Colby Bryant is. When you talk about household names and having – popularity it doesn't get any more popular than Kobe Bryant and that'll continue uh, even with his death but you just look at the way that he was an absolute dominant force on the basketball court the things that he did outside of the basketball court as far as being a father go above and beyond what he did on the basketball court and just the way that he worked with young players and every you know I thought it was tough for a lot of those players to play on Sunday because you're talking about a player passing away that, you know, everybody on that basketball court that played on Sunday to play this week in the NBA was influenced by Kobe Bryant at one point or another. And you just think about that and how tough that was for everybody. Um, I'm definitely looking forward to the All-Star game just to see, you know, some of the um, tributes that they have and, and how they work Kobe into some of those things. But, um, yeah, just, just, just sad. Just, just, you just feel sad for everybody involved. And, and you just – you think about, man, how could this happen to Kobe Bryant, one of the most popular players of all time? And it just shows that life's fragile. And, and when it's your time, it's, it's just mm-hmm. absolutely your time. And um, just very unfortunate, very sad. Yeah, it is. And, and, and Kobe, again, like you said, you don't have to be a basketball fan to know who Kobe Bryant is, who LeBron James is, who Michael Jordan is. You just know who they are. And we don't want to use the word bigger than life. That's kind of a, a, a phrase that, that maybe shouldn't be used. But, I mean, if you want to use that phrase with this particular person, that would be one of those people that, that you would use it. The thing about TMZ, and, 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 and I know that you're right, they had to be correct in everything that they do. However, and, and I know in, us being in media, we know sometimes when the story's there, you gotta you got to let it out. you gotta, you got to be – when a big story like this, you've got to be that person to break it, just like Adam Sheff and, 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 uh, and Andrew Luck. You've got to be that person, the unfortunate down part of things, uh, some of the things I was reading – uh, from the LA Times that the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department had issues with them uh, doing that because they had not yet formally notified the Kobe family of him and his daughter. And his no, this is according to LA Times, so I, I just put that out there how I how I read it. But um, his daughter actually saw his other daughter uh, actually saw the tweet from TMZ, and that's how they found out. So that's kind of how TMZ gets a, a bad rap. But, yes, uh, 
it, it just when it when it when it broke, you know, that's that's just how it was. I don't know how much longer you can hang out with us. Uh, we're we're hang, uh, most likely to be able to join us, Seth, uh, from the Kokomo Tribune, and he's also a costume, also right for the, the the Pacers and stuff. We're going to talk. We're supposed to call and join us for uh, some Kobe talk, but we have some more stuff that I'd like to to share uh, about um, about Kobe. Uh, so. Just, uh, so here's Kobe's last speech uh, at his last game. Well, here he goes. He will now address the fans here at Staples Center one last time. can't believe how fast 20 years went by. I mean, this is crazy. This is absolutely crazy. And, uh, you know, to be standing here at center court with you guys, my teammates behind me, and uh, appreciating all this, you know, the journey that we've been on. You know, we've been through our ups and been through our downs. And uh, I think the most important part is that we all stay together throughout. You know, I grew up, I grew up a diehard, I mean a diehard Laker fan. Diehard. I mean, I knew, knew everything about every player that's ever played here. So, to be drafted and then traded to this organization and to spend 20 years here, I mean, you can't, you can't write something better than this. And I'm more proud, I'm more proud of the fact that not about the championships, but about the down years, because we didn't run. We didn't run. We played through all that stuff, and we got our championships, and we did it the right way. And uh, all I can do here is just thank you guys. Thank you guys for all the years of support. Thank you guys for all the motivation. Thank you for all the inspiration. And, uh, you know, what's funny, <laughs> The thing that had me cracking up all night long was the fact that I go through 20 years of everybody screaming to pass the ball. And on the last night, they're like, don't pass it. <laughs> this, has been, this has been absolutely beautiful, you guys. I can't believe it's come to an end. Um, you guys will always be in my heart. And uh, I sincerely, sincerely appreciate it. No words can describe how I feel about you guys. And... Uh, Thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart. I, God, I love you guys. And uh, I love you guys. And uh, my family, to my family, my wife Vanessa, our daughters Natalia and Gianna, you know, thank you guys for all your sacrifice. You know, for all the hours I spent in the gym working and training. And Vanessa, you holding down the family the way that you have. I, I, I can't, there's no way that I can thank you enough for that. So, yeah, from the bottom of my heart, thank you. And uh, what can I say? Mamba out. And there you have it, the final speech 
of Kobe Bryant at his final game in his NBA career. Uh, Tony, I, I know you got to run here. I appreciate you joining us and sharing your thoughts. Real quickly, if you want to share some more thoughts about uh, John Andretti or Kobe Bryant or both, go right ahead. You know, the, it's crazy. The two aren't connected, but John ran cars in the Indy 500 that were both numbered 8 and 24. And you just think about Wow, Kobe I Bryant. never got that till just now. Tony, that is awesome. Yeah. We're going to get that up on um, social media. So Go ahead. You think that, um, you know, when you look at John Andretti, it just – you, you will never know the number, but there are so many lives that he has touched and probably saved with his charity work. Um, I've had people reach out to me that say, man, you know, I remember John coming into Riley. I was a Riley kid, um, was so grateful for his visits. And, you know, he's got, he's got, a, he's got a daughter and he's got a son, Jared. And Jared's a, an up-and-coming race car driver that runs a lot of sprint cars. And he's got a lot of talent. Um, and, and Michael's been so good as an uncle – uh, to help bring Jared up as well in the racing world. Um, it just, you know, it stinks. Um, it's it's one of those things where it's sad, um, but I just, I'll never forget that smile on John Andretti's face every time you saw him, no matter who you were, whether he had seen you a million times or he had just met you. He was always, always welcomed you with a smile, a handshake, and brought a great conversation, uh, no matter what you were discussing. And with Kobe Bryant, um, you know, you just think about him coming into the league, and the the opportunity that he had to take over kind of the role from Michael Jordan as, as, as the greatest in the game. And that's what he was. And that's, that was, you know, for people like me who are 30, 31 years old and, and, and younger, I mean, it, we grew up in the Kobe era and that's what we watch. And he was the gold standard and he, he, he beat teams night in and night out handedly. He beat the Pacers in the finals here. Um, and you just have to respect everything that, that man's done because it seems like everything that he ever touched turn the gold and um you know i'll never i'll never forget that step back jumper from from the arc that was that was about as pure as it gets you know he stole that from reggie miller and reggie miller has <laughs> told that story kobe has told that story and and kobe's like i i stole that from you he goes yeah i know you did so uh, yeah reggie miller is the one that perfected that that, that step back jump and you know uh totally i appreciate you joining this but you know one one thing that I just think it's unfortunate when things like this happen, people always want to try to latch on the negative. And, and the, the very, one of the very first tweets from a person from the Washington post about the incident that happened out in Colorado years ago, that got resolved. He clearly wasn't acquitted. I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't charged or there was nothing there. There was no there, there, if you will. Uh, it sounded like, it still sounds like it may have just been someone, after some money, maybe he made some bad decisions, but we don't want to make that a part of Kobe's legacy. And and I, I encourage people to to not latch on to stuff like that. Yeah, um, and there's always going to be those people. That's the Twitter world that we live in. It it, it can be dirty, it can be gross. We see it almost daily, um, but certainly not the right place, not the right time. Um, you know. I, I, I said this in many situations. Look, everybody learns from their mistakes. Everybody should get a second chance. Everybody, um, you know, should should move forward with their life. And, you know, outside of, I guess, that one blemish, everything Kobe has done for so many people. I mean, you know, there wasn't a dry – anybody that you talked to that played in the NBA, there wasn't a dry eye. He had touched so many people. He had just reached out to Shaq's son that, or, that morning. 
Um, and it's just, you know, the NBA is a tight knit community and yeah, but certainly I don't like, and I, and, it, and, it, and it's frustrating and upsetting when people um, would, would, would rather, you know, say something bad about somebody uh, once they've passed. That's just, that's just very unprofessional and, 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 and very, very upsetting. Tony Donahue, the Tony D podcast. Tony, you're going to be joining us for the big game special, the Super Bowl special tomorrow. But before they make their bets, they got to listen to you. Where? Where can they find you to before they make their bets on the big game? Yep, uh, at Tony D Indy on Twitter, I'll have all my NBA, college basketball picks, and then uh, my podcast on Anchor, the Tony D podcast. Uh, just search Tony Donahue. Search, search Tony D. It should come up. Uh, and I'll have a lot of parlay bets uh, on my podcast, and I'll bring some for you tomorrow morning as well. I can't wait, and I hope that you have IU winning today because God knows what we need to win, but that's a whole other subject for another day. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> Thank you, Tony. Thank you, Tony. Take care. Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcast joins us as we say farewell to uh, farewell to uh, Kobe Bryant and John Andretti. My name is Tom Marco Sal President here. We're going to take a quick break and we'll, we're going to regroup and we'll be back right after this on the Balance Radio Network. Still got a minute and something to go. 
And actually, actually have less than a minute. <laughs> Look at Jack. Jackson, yeah, baby. I said 40, but I'll take 56. I might even take 60. Jake Mack for three. Lakers will get a chance to take the lead, and look who has the ball. <laughs> With half a minute to play, Bryant for the lead. Yes! Kobe Bryant gives the Lakers the lead. <laughs> oh, I tell you something. This is, you know, he was legendary before this game. This is this takes it to an absolute another level. An absolute another level. Magical Mamba. Take us through it, Stu. Lakers lead it by one. Oh my Goodness. They've been trying to trap him, so he goes away from it and then pulls up and knocks down the long deuce. He's got 58. And the good news is the Lakers have a chance at the final shot because the game clock is at 31.6. So he has an opportunity to get 6-0 in the final game of his 20th one of the most incredible farewell performances for any athlete ever. Oh, he pushed off. He's right with it. And he is fouled. But does he have enough legs to get free throws? We'll see. <laughs> Two free throws for 60.
Utah will inbound the ball. There are four seconds remaining. It's in the line. It's on its way. The game is over. And Kobe Bryant, final memory for us is a 60-point game and a victory over the Utah Jazz. And that was Kobe Bryant's final game. How unbelievable. Do you know how hard it is to get 60 points in one game? Man was a beast, and we've been taking time today to remember the life and legacy of one of the greatest to ever dribble the ball. Kobe Bryant tragically died one week ago tomorrow, Southern California, due to fall conditions in a helicopter crash, along with seven other people, or total nine people died, along with his his daughter, who was very much a basketball fan and the future mamba, if you will, and in um her nickname was Mom- Mamboette. I believe that's what it was, but he had just recently trademarked that for his daughter. Uh, she uh, was mentored in one of the, by one of the greatest uh, Tamika Catchings uh, with the Indiana Fever. She wanted to attend Connecticut uh, Husky basketball. She was honored by Connecticut this week. And they set up a scholarship fund in her name uh, to to honor her. Um, so she will always be remembered at the University of Connecticut, even though she never went. And let's not forget the other people that, that tragically lost their life. A coach, wife, uh, there was a coach, and there was a, the um, um, – Mother and I, I, I just just some other miscellaneous people. I'm sorry I don't have their list, and I, that's that's my fault uh, for not having that. But there were others that died in that crash. It was due to fog conditions, and you know we can probably look at things that happened. Maybe it could have been avoided. I mean, there's a lot of things we could say. Uh, Kobe was very well known. We're taking his helicopter, the Mamba. Yes, he, you know, it was his own personal helicopter. He had hired a private, although he has a pilot's license and he can fly it. He often chose not to fly it, uh, as he as he hired his own private pilot. And you know, uh, so the, the thing about it is, at the end of the day, foggy conditions are foggy conditions. The pilot has the ultimate say-so. Uh, the, the tower can advise and say, hey, we, we would advise you. And So he, I, I think there's a lot of things to look at there. Uh, he was trying to climb above the fog the way that I understand it. just wasn't uh, being reached by the, the radar. He fortunately was flying way too low when he crashed. So it was just a tragic situation. I think it was just an accident. And we, and we remember uh, Kobe Bryant uh this this week also the passing of John Andretti the nephew of the great Mario Andretti and the whole Andretti family but as Tony alluded to and as Steve alluded to uh, John was a different kind of a guy he was your everyday guy he literally was your next door neighbor kind of guy he was a guy you could just go up and talk to 
it was a guy that if you did not know John Andretti, you would not know that he was an Andretti. Now, people like me that are running the circles that I did, I certainly know who he is. And if you live here in Indianapolis and, 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 and as a local guy, you probably know who he is. But if you were just going to the airport and pass him and never seen him in your life, you would probably never know who he is, who he was, or what he did. You would certainly know his uncles. You would certainly know his cousin. You certainly know other Andretti family members. But even though he carried the, the, the namesake of Andretti, he was a true racer. I mean, he lived up to that name. But what we know about John Andretti is – and what not that what we know because we know a lot about John Andretti, but what we have come to love about John Andretti is the fact that he's just a normal guy, and he raised so much money for uh, Riley – raised for Riley. And I would encourage – and we'll try to get that up on social media – but I would encourage you to go check that out and, and, and donate a few bucks to that because it really does help the kids out. And, I, you know, I, we've said this a few times on the show. Go get your colonoscopy done, especially if you're in your upper 40s. But it, it's never too early to get it done if you're a grown man and, you know, if you're a father or a husband. It's never too early. But certainly if you're in your 40s and above, you need to go get that colonoscopy done as as we heard John talk about in the the soundbite that this could have been caught early and it wasn't and it wasn't because he didn't go get screened so he blamed himself maybe that was not the right thing to do you can't you can't cancer has no name tags it, it'll attack anybody my uncle died of colon cancer I think we all know somebody in our life it was affected by some sort of cancer. So all cancers are bad. But as we reflect on the life of, of uh, John Andretti, we think about his words. Go get your colonoscopy done. I had mine last year. Like I said, <laughs> it's not a trip to Disney World. I, I freely admit that. But, you know, one of the good things is that they, they didn't find anything with me. But if had I, I'm 52 years old, John was 56. I mean, so it's never too early to go have yourself checked out. Uh, and we've we've posted the hashtag, uh, get checked for John. I think I, I'm I'm going by memory, but it's on it's on our social media. Appreciate Melissa taking care of our social media for us and getting all that stuff up there for us. Um, and then we're also remembering Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant, and really a fun stat. We we got it up on on Twitter there, but a fun stat, uh, if you will, between John Andretti and Kobe Bryant. They both uh, John drove both the eight and twenty four cars, and Kobe had both the eight and twenty four jerseys. And I thank you, Tony Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcast. Uh, for for telling me that because I had no clue. So props to him on on letting us uh, letting us know that. And I appreciate you you allowing us to take some time today from our from our normal our normal field, if you will, <laughs> our normal way of of doing things. I know this show is a little bit different than what you're used to. Tomorrow we'll be back with uh, the Super Bowl special, the big game. We'll have all that. 
up and set. We've got a whole lineup of people that's going to be joining us. Kent Sterling from KentSterling.com. Tony D's going to join us. Ed's going to join us. Uh, so we got a lot of people joining us. Mo's going to join us. Uh, so we've got a lot of people that's going to uh, uh, join us and talk about the Chiefs. We'll probably spend the first hour talking about uh, the, the AFC or the NFC. We haven't decided yet. But in the second hour, we'll, we'll do the other team, certainly down in Miami. And maybe you're having a Super Bowl party. Not really having a Super Bowl party, but having a, a couple people over to, and uh, going to make a spread of food. And, you know, of course, we're going to have some drinkage going on. <laughs> maybe you should have put in to, for PTO on Monday. <laughs> I, I, am, am I the only one that's a big proponent of, of the Super Bowl being moved uh, to uh, Saturday? <laughs> um, so. A few final things here, and we'll be right back. Uh, a few final words from Kobe, and we'll be right back to wrap things up. It, it's hard to say goodbye to Kobe Bryant and John Andretti, but that's what we've tried to do today on the Balance Radio Network. And the Lakers still have a lot of road games but, left to play. But you have to think, the Lakers have got to be thinking a little bit differently as Carter not in the three. They've got to be thinking about having home court advantage all the way through the playoff and trying to catch Cleveland as Matt Barnes and Kobe Bryant say hello to each other. Double technical foul on both of them. Still drawing a bit. See, here's my problem taking a look at that. That's not a double double technical foul. That's a technical foul on Matt Barnes afterwards coming towards. You punish the, the guy that's trying to be innocent and just playing hard basketball. I don't care if it's Kobe Bryant or whoever. That's a bad job calling both guys for technical foul. It's hard to make a foul call. It's hard to... That's nothing, by the way. Um, that's just... And this is nothing, by the way. That's just body contact until Barnes comes at it, but if, if they're not responsible for foul calls, which you said is hard, and double technical, what are they responsible for? You get rewarded in this world for what you get done. Howard misses Barnes. And then Barnes gets to the blind face again. He's going to be done, I think. Another technical foul on Barnes. Second one, you're automatically out. You know, the thing they did miss as Barnes went to the body of Kobe Bryant after the dunk is Kobe Bryant. Again, that's some uh, live play-by-play action revolving Kobe around Kobe Bryant. My name is Tom Marquisel, Presidente. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at T-Balance, on Facebook, The Balance. We're going to do two things here real quickly, and then we will close out the show. Um, don't check and drive. Didn't cool. I'm out of here, deuces. But as we end the show, as we end the show, we're going to uh, uh, play our tribute to both John Andretti and Kobe Bryant separately. My name is Tom Marcos, El Presidente. Thank you for joining us today. 
we begin with heartbreaking news from the racing world about a member of one of the legendary families in auto sports. Today, John Andretti lost his very public and hard-fought battle against colon cancer. John was a racing veteran, a champion of sick children, and known as one of the nicest guys in the sport. Right now, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway is paying tribute to John, lighting up the scoring pile on in his honor. It's a place he knew so well and raced many times. Sports director Dave First is here with more. Dave. Hi, guys. Good evening. A racer at heart, a father, son, husband, dad, you name it, one of the most giving people you'll ever meet. The sports world is mourning the loss of Indy's own John Andretti tonight, who died today after a three-year battle with colon cancer. Uh, if you ask him, John Andretti, he was an IndyCar racer, like his father Aldo, his uncle Mario. He competed in 12 Indy 500s. Nothing beat the years of 91 and 92, and he competed against Mario and cousin Michael and Jeff. His most success in racing really came in stock cars. First career win came at the July race out at Daytona, winning for the legendary Cale Yarbrough, and later one for Richard Petty at Martinsville. But once his career on the track started slowing down, his career off it was picking up with something called Race for Riley. Last summer, he finished his 23rd event with money going for Riley Hospital for Children, but it was three years ago when he was first diagnosed with stage four colon cancer. Devastating news that affected, of course, his entire family. We sat down with him that following May. Is this more difficult to watch in your family than it is for you to deal with this? It's way harder yeah. to watch because it's unfair to them. I've said it several times. It's unfair to them that I'm even in this condition um, because this could have been prevented. You can sit and mope and do all the things you want to do. Um, that you think that you would expect it to. Uh, none of that's happened to me. I mean, and a lot of it's because of my family around me. They just, you know, if you do, you're, you're losing. And nobody in this family wants to lose. <laughs> A shot there of his family, wife Nancy, son Jarrett, daughters Olivia and Amelia. Our thoughts are with them tonight. Coming up all new at 6, a deeper look into John's remarkable life and career. John Andretti was 56. Kobe Bryant was a teenager when he walked onto the NBA stage. And there was no doubt in his mind that he was ready. I'm going to go in there and I'm going to work hard every day. I'm young, but I'm not going to back down from anyone. He had the drive the ability to thrill, all wrapped in a megawatt smile. Welcome to the Kobe Show. And fans began to see that they were in for something special. Here comes Bryant. Oh, Mitchell! Wow, did you see the move by the kid? That's Kobe. Did you see the finish by the kid? He would pair with Shaquille O'Neal to form a powerful one-two punch, elevating his game when it counted most. Kobe, jump shot for the lead, yes! The phenom had grown into a three-time NBA champ. Three, that's three. Back, two back, two back. Kobe was anything but a finished product. In the years that followed, he reached a new level of mental and physical dominance. And an 81-point game. The Mamba was born. I couldn't even dream of this when I was a kid. You know, there's no way possible. You know, just a blessing from above. And his scoring explosions captivated the league. Four straight games, 50 or more points. All the while, Kobe realized there was still room to grow. Kobe Bryant, the 2007-2008 most valuable player. 
and that true greatness means lifting those around you. Go easy for him. Make him earn everything. He embraced his role as a leader, and the result was a return to glory for the Los Angeles Lakers. Basketball immortality for the 09 Los Angeles Lakers. Kobe's ability to inspire wasn't limited to his body of work in the NBA. They called me the OG, you know what I mean? So it's fun for me to be around these guys and kind of mentor them a little bit. He was a driving force behind the 2008 Olympic team that restored USA basketball to the top of the podium and won gold again in 2012. Team USA has won back-to-back gold medals. Beloved by fans around the world, Kobe Bryant had transcended the game. He embodied excellence, achievement, and aspiration for millions of fans everywhere. And when it came time to write the final chapter of his NBA career, Kobe saved one of his most unforgettable performances for last. Kobe Bryant. been 20 years here. You can't write something better than this. With his playing days behind him, he understood that all along, his single-minded pursuit of excellence was about much more than himself. The most important thing is how your career moves and touches those around you and how it carries forward to the next generation. Join us next week for The Balance. In the meantime, check us out on Twitter, T-Balance, or Facebook, The Balance, or online at www.thebalanceonline.com. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.